Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 193 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked. And hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in this week. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Now it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back this week's guest. He was on the podcast back in episode 22. And I was blown away to get him on then. Because it was a pivotal time in his mountain bike race career. And it's also another great time to get him back on the show. Of course, I'm talking about Keelan Grant and Keelan races for the Chain Reaction Cycles team and uh, races beside Sam Hill and Elliot Heap. Great bunch of guys. And obviously, they're under the management there of Peggy. So it's a great, great team. Now, since joining the Chain Reaction Cycles team a few years ago, Keelan's had his up and downs. His first year didn't really go to plan, but he bounced back really well in his second year. And then, of course, the COVID thing hit for year three. Now, Keelan took the advantage and got shoulder surgery over that time. It was something that's been annoying him for a long, long time. He didn't do it on a mountain bike, but I'll let him explain that to you in the podcast um like so many of us we injure these things not on two wheels right uh but it's great to get killing on we chat about that we chat about the chain reaction team how he settled in there so quickly we chat to him about you know learning how to race how to ride different lines with sam hill and of course elliot there as well you know it's such a good squad and Keelan is so so stoked to be part of that team we get into that we chat about the giga nook proof that he's probably going to be riding in the ews we chat to him about the new season how his training's going there's so much in this episode so i'm going to stop talking i'm going to let Keelan come on the show here and we're going to get into it and see what's happening and what he's got planned for the upcoming 2021 race season so without further ado let's get Keelan grant on the mtb tribe podcast Hi, Keelan. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's been a long time since you've been on, sir. How's things with you? Hi, the very best here, Gareth. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, and thanks for having me back. Um, good to be back. It's been, it's been, uh, seems like it's been a while since I was last chatting to you. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's been. You were on episode twenty-two, right? And uh, that was back in two thousand eighteen. How crazy is that? I know. I actually remember recording it, recording it with you as well back in. Uh, yeah, I was in my uni house with a few of my mates and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh, a lot's changed since then for me and the world. So, uh, yeah, cool to catch up and see what's been going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was cool, man. I remember calling you because you were on your phone and you were walking home from the gym. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And I remember guys shouting at you across the street. Oh, hi, Keelan, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I was on the way home from the gym and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do this podcast to walk home. And... The walk home from the gym was about 15 minutes and then, you know yourself, the podcast went on for over an hour. So after about 15 laps of the house, the boys were like, what are you doing out there? And just <laughs> walking around the house, just chatting to you. Because I knew if I went in, you know what a uni house can be like? I was just going to get tortured. We just wouldn't have got anything done. So I just had to walk around the house. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man, cool. No, it was good. And, you know, it was the first time I had done a podcast like that with somebody on a phone and somebody was very casually walking home and stuff. And it, it kind of added another element to it. It was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, real. cool. And you had just got your CRC Mavic deal at that time, 
to go pro. Um, okay. So that was a very exciting time for you. Now, I want to get into that in a little bit, just and we'll chat about that and how that's going for you and stuff and what you're looking forward to this year and things. But I just saw the Vital Film edit you done and it just mm. was released yesterday. Man, that looks awesome. Like, how did all that come about? Uh, yeah, so if you don't know John Lawler, he's a pretty, he's a bit of a legend in the old uh, yeah. mountain biking scene right here. And uh, yeah, I got in touch with him. Um, always wanted to do one. And uh, yeah, just made it happen. Nothing, nothing too, yeah, just pretty casual. Went up to Ravensdale and spent the day filming and yeah, came up with that. But uh, yeah, one of the big... Uh, box ticking things for me was to do a vital raw at some point and yeah i couldn't couldn't be happier with how it turned out just the way it's filmed and how it's edited and put together and just i i, I love the way it's filmed so it was, i was really happy to get one done yeah nice one nice now did you have to reach out to john or was that something to you in reaction done for you no i actually reached out to john myself um i was just watching i can't remember who so it might have been greg's old one i was watching i was like why? Why have we not done one of them yet? <clears throat> and uh, I just, I just wrote them, and yeah, he was just like, yeah, why, why haven't we done one of them? And yeah, let's see within a couple of days. He's like, right, I'll meet you here at nine o'clock. I was like, right away we go. And that was it. Classic, classic. What bike were you riding there? Was that the Giga? That was, yeah, Giga. Yeah, that was just my practice bike I have at home here. So pretty much set up the same as my race bikes, just sort of different color and not all the fancy bling stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. Because when I initially seen the footage i thought i had to kind of pause it because i thought is that the reactor killing zone because <laughs> that's yeah. a weapon that reactor thing man i love that bike ah yeah right up there one of my favorite bikes um yeah two totally different bikes but I, you ride them totally different um that that gig i'm getting on really well with it, it kind of just does a lot of the work for you too um mm. which is good you can just kind of sit back and let it do its thing uh, the reactor you kind of ride it a wee bit differently and we bit more of a trail bike and we bit more hopping around and picky choosy with lanes and stuff. But two, mm-hmm. two on real bikes. Two, the two bikes I kind of ride are them two. I just back really? and forth between them. Yeah. That's, yeah. Cool. Um, that Giga, what way have you set up? You not run that? You run the mullet or anything? Or nah. Um, I've I've tried the mullet before and uh, it's definitely better in parts of the track. But I was riding maybe a couple bits of a track and there'd be like two or three turns the whole track like yeah mullet's better there for sure and then but then you're talking you know five percent of the track i was liking the mullet more and the rest of it I was just really happy with the way the 29er was working and so yeah. i just just stuck with 29er and all my bikes really it's, I'm, I'm over six foot and yeah it just suits me perfect i don't really need to faff about back and forth between mullet and 29 just just run full full wagon wheel set up all year round yeah yeah cool and like are you seeing a lot of the guys on the pro circuit and stuff on the ews are they changing between bikes or some of them just staying in 29 some of them staying in the mullet like what's you know the mullet thing so it's so popular right it's trendy at the minute if you want to say it like that yeah no it, it totally is it is trendy and trendy's fast by the sounds of it like and <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's totally it's totally a preference to the rider like you have elliot on the team he's just a complete opposite build to me he's just he's literally a foot shorter with me he rides a, a shorter bike that's and like a smaller bike and like if you see him the way he rides the mullet just suits him perfectly like the way he can cut a turn real fast and just needs that that rear end to be a little bit more shorter and neat um yeah, and uh, that suits him, and he's just also a lot shorter as well. He would have issues with a rear tire hitting him, 
I've I've never had that. Like I can count on one hand how many times the rear tires hit me are. So yeah. I've, I've no problem with that. So it's it's totally preference, totally down to the track, the way the rider rides. Um, there's so many variables, but it's totally down to how does that feel. Um, and even before, like when I was testing, like the mullet and stuff, like I didn't even get a clock out or anything. It was just straight up, yeah, you know, you know how that feels there and how this feels in another place, and just go with what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose that makes you faster at the end of the day if you're comfortable in the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could test something and it could be faster. And you go out and rip stage one, a new one, and you're fast on it. But, you know, seven hours later, stage seven, and you're not comfortable on the bike, you're just going to be losing time um, throughout the day. So, yeah, whatever's comfortable, I think is good. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Now, you guys were away for uh, a team training day or something there in Scotland, were you recently? Yeah, we are away for the full week, actually. It was meant to be 10 days, but it was kind of cut short with the weather. But, yeah, we got away for a week anyway. Yeah, that looked nuts, man. It was snowing, right? Uh, we, you wouldn't believe it. The snow was lying. We could have made a snowman at the top of the track. It was just ridiculous. We had so much planned for the weekend. To be fair, the boys got stuck in. We got loads done, but uh, the weather really did hold us back. Wow, that was nuts. Was that so? Was that all the CRC team? Who was all there? Yeah, we had the full chain reaction team minus Sam and JC, of course. Um, and then we had the full like um, Nukeproof R and D guys and engineers and designers, and then a couple of writers. Adam Brayton, Katie Winton, and Mike Jones, and all those guys. Um, yeah, man, it was just it was just literally a couple of days of everyone getting together and just the full family out and riding, and yeah, had a great time. Like it was it was it was real good crack, and just laps with some of the fast boys as well, like Adam and Mike and Elliot and then Anthony all was there, and yeah, it was just, it was just good to get back with the whole crew. It's a real it's a real family vibe within the proof, and uh, it's just good to get everyone together like that. Yeah, that's cool. Because I was going to ask you that, you know, what's that kind of thing, though? Because you're obviously there to achieve something. So, you know, is it quite serious or is it laid back? Are you guys just having a bit of fun? You know, what's it like in the evenings? You know, what? how, how does that all work? I, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all there for the same reason. Right? You know, we all want to be winning races and doing well and making the sponsors on our backs proud, you know, and like that's one of the main reasons we're there. But like, we're all there for, for the fun and to enjoy it and enjoy each other's company. And uh, to be honest, the, the evenings are a complete mess around. Like they're, they're just great crack. <laughs> and like you're just constantly giggling at someone and uh, the crack's good. And I think that's what it's all about. And th- that's what I say when they go back, like the nuke proof vibe, it's just such a family vibe. Um, like we could just sit and have big dinner with all the engineers, all the designers all the fastest riders and we're just sitting there completely taking the piss out of each other and I think that's just so valuable like just to have that um so within a bike brand I think that's quite hard to get so yeah yeah uh, yeah the crack's good and the people are good uh, yeah uh, excellent and uh, you know it, it makes your life so much easier right just having that environment and i suppose it helps you when it coming down to the day when you're racing and, and you know everybody's got your back and stuff i'm sure that environment really helps you mentally as well yeah absolutely i mean just whether you've had a good race or a bad race or a really good week building up or a, a stressful week building up you know you can turn around and you have Elliot and pagey there and they're just they're just some of your best friends and you can just turn to them and chat about something that's not bikes or chat about something that wasn't the race and then before you know it, it's 
you know, it's if you've had a bad race, it's been it's been blown over, it's off your shoulders, and yeah, you know, onto the next one. But to have that, I think, is is so valuable rather than you know dwelling on something bad that's happened or even if mm-hmm. it's something that's really good, something to feed back to them on and how their race race went. And yeah, it's just it's just a real good, friendly, positive environment. It's it's, it's class. I love it. Couldn't wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very very cool. Um, now. Let's chat a little about, but let's jump back a, a few years to 2018 when you signed with CRC. Um, now, I remember on that podcast you were chatting about, you know, you were doing part-time jobs and stuff just to fund your racing and things, and you worked out of the potato factory and things. Uh, like, how did how did your life change after that signing? I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's something that everyone that's looking to go pro or get on a team has to do. They just, I was in uni doing a design degree and then I was trying to hold time, hold down a, like a part-time marketing job as well um, with Joe Ward at Potato Bread and uh, yeah, trying to train twice a day as well and then trying to do the odd bit of partying as well, which didn't really, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't really, couldn't really do after a while once I realised, I was like, right, well, that's going to have to get sacked in the head. So, um, no, life changed a lot for me. Uh, it was good in the terms, all I did the last part of my uni life was just save to go to races. Um, any penny I got, I just put it aside and I was like, right, that's my flight to finale. That's my food for the week. That's this, that and the other. And then all of a sudden, that's just all taken care of. That's that's not a stress you don't need anymore. You're just, that the date the race is starting, you're going to be there and uh, there's going to be a car to collect you. There's going to be um, someone to look after your bike, this, that, and the other. And yeah, that was the biggest thing for me. It was just not having to worry about, oh, I hope I get entered, or I hope I get accommodation, or I hope mm-hmm. when I get there, it's not hard to like source an uplift for practice. And that's just completely taken care of. So that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, yeah, that's massive, you know. And I think people don't realize that because. When I've had other guys on the podcast and they're talking, and you know they've signed with a team, with a professional team, it's weird that the biggest thing they find an advantage is all that kind of stuff, right? It's your bike, it's having a proper mechanic there to look after your bike. You don't have to worry about what spare parts you have to carry. You don't have to worry about where you're staying. It's just those wee things that a lot of people wouldn't think about that make a huge difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and that's what the team's there for. Um like at, the, like at the end of the day, it's not it's not like I just completely switch off and Paige's just there like carrying my stuff for me while I walk with an umbrella over my head. Let a MotoGP right now. Yeah, no, it's not quite Formula One, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely a big weight off your shoulders, and it's it's a team effort as well. But um, no, it definitely takes a lot of the stress off and allows me to focus on the racing and focus on just being out there and enjoying it as well, um, and not getting to an airport and realizing my bags. 40 kilo overweight because I had to bring a load of spares with me and stuff like that it's just it's all kind of yeah it's all kind of just sort of sorted for you which is quite nice Um, yeah it just takes a lot of stress off yeah for sure so with that bit of spare time and stuff like do you find yourself at a loss or you know how do you just get into that professional mindset you know is your training different is your rest times different like how does that all work how does that play out with you yeah, it's something to learn. You have to learn over time. And to say that you just like, yeah, riding for CRC now and I'm going to just live that professional lifestyle. Um, it takes a bit of time, I think. 
and still learning from it. Um, still learning to like realize that your job is to sort of train, rest, recover, um, and then just keep on going with the process and learning and getting better. And like sometimes, you know, you have to take time and really sit down for a day and do nothing. Um, and like really rest rest your body and stuff. And that's something I actually still struggle with. It's like if you've had a hard week and you're busted on and it's like, right, you need a Monday off. And before you know it, it's four or five o'clock and you've done two or three different things. And you're like, I really actually haven't had a day off here. Mm. Um, so that's something I'm actually still working on. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of free time, but uh, that gets filled up pretty quickly um, with training and stuff in between and things like this and podcasts and media and before you know it you're absolutely flat out and the free time isn't very much but uh no it's, it's a life that i have now that i wouldn't change for anything else and it's it's been great yeah yeah is it like you see in hollywood movies you know where you have somebody telling you okay at two o'clock you're meeting this guy at 2.30 you're going for lunch at 4 o'clock you have got uh, you have to speak to this guy about a certain thing is it like that? Oh yeah absolutely and, uh, <laughs> I'm in uh, Manson here now I'm a pool and um, I'm actually just recording this before I go out for a rip in my Ferrari as well so no, it's it's actually quite casual it depends it depends who you're dealing with like some some sponsors and stuff would be quite legit and strict and stuff like that but like really it's all pretty casual and yeah, it's all like it's all pretty laid back to be honest. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. too serious. Like we're all here for the same reasons and that. And uh, nah, nah, nothing, nothing too crazy. If you if you start putting uh, like more stress onto things, it just it doesn't really help anyone. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's not pretty laid back. Pretty chilled. Yeah, I remember when I Callan uh, on the podcast, and I was quite surprised because I thought you know. <sighs> And it's probably just the way the media portrays it and everything else and things you see on TV. But, you know, I'm sure most people think when you get signed to a professional team, then you've got a professional trainer and you have to be in the gym at this time and you're doing this and you're doing this and you have to eat this. But a lot of that's just left up to you, right? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, it's my life and it's the lifestyle I live and it has to work for me. And if you give my training program and my schedule to someone else, that's not going to work for them. Um, I do have a coach, which is quite good. I work with Chris Comore. He's a point one athletic. And actually, if if you've seen my my training schedule for a week, um, there's actually quite a lot of it on. It says like, you know, a free session or like an athlete's choice, where basically it's like that's up to you. How's your body feeling? Like, do you want to go out and spend four or five hours on the road bike, or do you want to just put the feet up and go have lunch with the missus? Or like, that's totally up to you. And I think mm-hmm. that's quite important as well because. It can go either way. You can be quite, you know, you can overtrain yourself into the ground if you have this schedule. And I know, and like an athlete's head, if it's written down, you'll do it. And that's just the way it is. So to have that sort of, yeah, a bit more relaxed approach and a bit more freedom, it can definitely help you in long term for, yeah, just listening to your body a wee bit more and stuff like that. But uh, no, it's all pretty chilled. It's, um, yeah, it's not, it's not crazy. Uh, mad schedule that you that you might think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very interesting, you know. And I suppose when sponsors 
you know, when they sign you and, and stuff like that, they know your background, they know you're going to be training, and they know how fit you are, they know how dedicated you are anyway. Otherwise, they wouldn't sign you, right? So you've kind of got all that locked in anyway. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, they need to know you're committed. They're putting a lot of financial backing and a lot of their, even their own name behind you as well. So, like, I mean, they definitely want to see you succeed. Um, so, yeah, that is it's super important, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, so on your first year then um, with CRC, like, what was it? What was it like turning up? You know, to those first few EWS events as part of that professional team. Was it any different? Did you feel any different? Did you approach the races any differently? Um, just that's going back a while now. Uh, yeah. So the first time I went away with them was Windrock in America. It was Tennessee, and we went into the team camp. And yeah, just like nervous as you as anyone would be, sort of didn't really know Pagey, kind of knew Elliot, knew Sam Hill, but didn't really know on a personal level at all. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of just like, are these boys? Am I going to fit in here? Because that's super important. Like, it's all well being fast in the bike, but if you don't fit in with the team, then it's not going to work well. So yeah, it was a wee bit daunting going there. I knew how fast those boys were. Um. And I knew people had been on the team before, so had big shoes to fill. And no, it, it all just it all just grooved really well. Like we all just got along really well together. And um, from the get go, and no, it, not much changed. Just sort of having a wee bit of backing behind you. Like the work mm-hmm. ethic never changed. Still worked as hard back then as I do now, if not harder. And yeah, it was just more about how I got on with the guys. Um, it was important for me, and then everything else kind of just sort of fell into place naturally. Yeah, and and what was it like meeting Sam Hill and you know for the first time like because he was a big part of it right like did did you feel any apprehension meeting him at the first time and liking the fella and all that kind of thing? Ah, uh, yeah, it's like of course you're gonna have those those nerves. I mean, you've only ever seen like I've seen him at races and stuff like that before and and videos and that what and but I mean straight from the get go we were just completely just taking the hand out of each other and. That's just the way it's been ever since. All, all five of us were just. It's just yeah, we gel well, and it's easy to get along with, and it, yeah, it's 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 just easy and simple, and yeah, I really enjoy it that way. We all we all get along really well. It, it works good. Yeah, no happy days, happy days. So over that first year, uh, like, were you happy with your racing? What was your kind of goals over that year? How did things go for you? I first year. Yeah, it was it was a bit scrappy if you ask me. Um, wasn't too pleased with it. Put a lot of high expectations on myself, and then remembered that like just because you're on a team doesn't automatically mean you do better. Um, but yeah, I kind of just went in with the sort of yeah, kind of just went in thinking like right, I need to be getting like top twenty, top ten here. I'm on a team. That's just the way it is. So mm-hmm. um, I put a lot of pressure on myself, and kind of almost didn't. Like, don't get me wrong, completely enjoyed the places we've seen in the tracks we rode, but like the actual racing itself, it was quite hard to enjoy, you know, like because you had this like label on your back, um, and you're like, oh, there's the new guy on the CRC team, he's racing with Sam Hill, etc. It's like, oh, he must be good, so you had to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was quite a lot of pressure there, not gonna lie. And for me, I'm not really if, like if you ask any of my family, I'm not really a man to get stressed out or overthink things. Um, but I was definitely getting a bit stressed and overthinking things and uh, it was showing in my race results really it was just crashing, going too hard mechanicals 
yeah, over and over again. Um, a couple of couple of decent we sort of results in there and stuff, but nothing I was too happy with. But yeah, it, 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 there's no doubt in my mind. My first year on a team got to me big time. Um, and yeah, but I just left the season being like, what just happened? Um, and uh, yeah, kind of approached it a bit differently the year after, and it, it worked out a lot better. But uh, yeah, kind of kind of regret doing that a wee bit because it was almost like I skipped a year because of the way way I went and approached races because I just went just from the gun I went too hard um I needed to I needed to prove something and uh it didn't pay off at all so uh yes year after that went a lot better just was again just a wee bit more relaxed and yeah went with it a wee bit more like stress-free and not having a target on my back and not really thinking about what other people thought of me being on a team and stuff like that and just rode for myself and it worked out a lot better yeah yeah like when you're in that environment and you you know you're obviously thinking about these results and that you have to get good results and you said there that you went at it a little bit hard like is that a case of when you're racing then you're you just kind of lose concentration you're probably getting into corners too fast and using too much brake and all that is that is that what you kind of mean that you, you just lose your technique when you're on the trails ah yeah absolutely i mean like you're building up to a race a stage and like if, if if you're holding this tightness and and like like don't get me wrong nerves are good like you can use those nerves to to ride and race better and but if, if you don't use them in the right way and they're they're going against you, you'll just ride tight and you'll not let go of the brakes and you know you'll not commit to those fast lines that you need to be committing to to be in the fast times and yeah before you know it you're you're crashing and you're you're hugging the brakes and you're not really riding the way you should be and it just sort of shows in the time and on the clock and yeah yeah pretty pretty much that exactly you nailed it on the head but uh, yeah, I kind of kind of felt like I did a full year of that. I just every race I was like, oh, the last race went bad, so I have to do good in this one. And then, oh no, I've only got three races left to prove myself. And then two races left, I was like, right, I'll go harder. Then I, then I did more mechanicals and crash more. And yeah, I, I just couldn't figure it out. And I just, I just nearly took a winter off to to really focus on like what you're doing in a race stage and what you need to be doing, what you need to be thinking of. And uh, yeah, it went a lot better the next year after that. Yeah, yeah. And when you're going through those tough times, I'm sure your team sees that. I'm sure Elliot's seen it. I'm sure Sam's seen it. You know, like, how do those guys help you out? Do they even go to you and ask you, do you need help? Or do they just let you do your own thing and let you sort it out yourself? What's that whole team environment like at times like that? I mean, at the end of the day, like, we've all we've all been in the same situation where, like, you just, it's just not clicking and you're trying. It's not, like, from lack of trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we've all been there unfortunately sam probably didn't know where he was coming from because he's just won every race he's ever entered so <laughs> yeah he's that's just a different kettle fish altogether but uh like the likes of l and, and pagey like pagey raced professionally for years as well and he knows what it's yeah. like to to go into an event and like think you have it all sorted and then you just come to the finish line and you're like what just happened um and you're miles behind and yeah i mean we've all been there and, and, it, and it's okay like and uh, it's just a thing that happens but it's kind of just like trying to help each other build a bit of confidence and know that like you deserve a place in this team and you deserve to ride well and you deserve a good result and you put in the work for it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, just a bit of back and forth trying to get um, each other's confidence up and stuff like that. But no, it was, it was I mean, like it, it wasn't like they were absolutely horrendous 
results so we're still sort of all inside the top 50 and stuff like that but like I think for myself it was like I need to be up higher on the leaderboard here if I'm going to be representing these brands and that's just the way I thought yeah yeah but you know what I'm hearing from Chain Reaction and Nuke Proof and all the guys there you know they don't push you to get great results you know it's not like you have a couple of bad results and then they sit you down and give you a pep talk you know what I mean it's nothing like that no I mean like at the end of the day like they chose me and they wanted me to do well but it's not like uh no it's not like you stand over it's like oh yeah you've three more races to prove yourself here or you know you're out um but like I mean and at the end of the day that it is it is a business and it is a job at the end of the day so I mean when you're there you have to do your job as well and you have to race well and, and do good but as I say like no, you couldn't ask for a better sort of team to go back to if you have a good day or a bad day, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just makes things a lot more relaxed to have that rather than someone sort of like looking over your shoulder all the time to make sure that you're doing good. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a nice chilled environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So when you jumped into your second year then, um, you had a better season. Did you approach it any differently? How did you go into it mentally? Uh, j- just a wee bit more relaxed um i had a better winter as well i actually spent a bit of time in new zealand with elliot which i think really brought me on a bit um because he's super fast and yeah i was just a bit more confident going in i was like yeah I've, I've done the work now so it should just show you know it should just show itself if i just race smart and wise and, and fast and it did like and i was just like i, I was happy with a lot of my stages and a couple of my overall results it was just that like every race had just one little thing mm-hmm. that that sort of held me back from that sort of the result that i wanted so i'd be going through a race and like every stage would be like top 20 top 20 20 something 20 something and then bang there'd just be like a 70 or 30 80th because a crash or a mechanical or something silly and then that would just bring my overall result just just a bit further down than where i wanted it to be um but i knew the speed was there and i knew fitness was there at the time and that that was kind of the whole season um so i think me and elliot sort of finished in like 31st overall and he finished 32nd overall so we did he was kind of the same had some really mega results like outstanding results and then there's something silly holding them back like a snap chain or just a little thing so um i think just a little bit of tidying up here and there and we'll be right up there up close to single digits to be honest yeah yeah yeah, because like Elliot had a great year in, in 2018, the under 21s, right? He won the yeah, overall. Mm-hmm. You know, so he then, in his second year, he was jumping into the same as yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure he found a big difference jumping from the under 21s and to the same category as yourself. Like, um, did that help having him there with you, do you think? Yeah, like, as I say, Elliot was probably always looking like, I mean, his goal was to win the under-21 championship and he went and smashed that, but he was always looking at, well, where did I finish in the elites in that one and how was mm-hmm. my time compared to these guys? And so the step up for him, like, just natural almost. And, like, that guy is just full of confidence. Um, so, like, to ride with him and do lines and stuff with him and just the speed he rides is, is great for me, to be honest, because, like, yeah, if there's a line or something sketchy or... Uh, something you need to ride at a certain speed it, it, it's not even a question in his mind he's just like yeah i'll do that and away he does it and you're just like right that's what you need to be doing so <laughs> <laughs> so to have that like um yeah it's it's class and then sam again he's just he's the same with just another 
another level um, of confidence. And you can see that, like, in the two of them, like, their head game is just so strong, and that's how they're the successful riders that they are. So, um, yeah, very, very strong mentally. And yeah. um, they're both units on the bike, too, which probably helps. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, like, having Sam and Elliot as teammates, you know, you, you chat it there, but uh, looking at those guys' lines and, and doing stuff like that, you know, having Sam part there and with all his experience and everything else, like, do you ask him for advice? Do you go to him and ask him for advice personally? Or? Oh, I mean, it's all, as I say, it's all very casual. It's not like, uh, can we all sit down at nine o'clock tonight and Sam's going to give us some advice? Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's very just like on the track. It's like, what do you reckon here? And, He's just be like, oh yeah, I'd be, I'd probably be sitting down back there and, and like sort of having a bit of a rest before this mad section, and I'll just, you know, bits and bobs like that and line choice and how we're gonna approach in a stage and yeah, it's it's as I say, it's all very, it's all very casual. Like it's not um, like to to get advice off him is, it really is great. Like he, he's ridiculous to follow. I think actually just following on a bike is probably the most you'll learn. Mm-hmm. Um, off him really um, just following his back wheel uh, that's where I get sort of I say like the best advice off him is just you know just to follow him in a practice run or something you'll be like ah right okay so maybe maybe I need to actually slow down and not attack this bit so much and save that for this bit because that's where there's more time to be made and stuff like that and yeah he's just very good at figuring out a track from top to bottom so it's quite yeah. good that way yeah I remember watching a thing it was one of the EWS races. I can't remember what race it was or anything, but, you know, um, it was just something somebody had put up on one of the social posts and it was edited and it was, you know, a certain line under this really tight right-hand corner and it was like, you know, the elite rider's line and then it just said Sam Hill's line and it was completely <laughs> different. Yeah, he's uh, a couple of them going all right. Um, <laughs> pretty spectacular to watch, you know, because that's like one of the funny things where like for walking a track, you know, and he'll sort of jokingly say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go up there and then swoop down there and jump that. And you're just like, oh, yeah. And then you follow him in practice. He just swoops up. You're like, oh, God, he's not actually. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then you're just doing this line like, geez, I thought he was joking. And before you know, you're like, eh, that actually wasn't a bad line, as, as crazy as it was. But, yeah, he, he does that about 10 times a run, which uh, keep you on your toes. But <laughs> Aye, aye, crazy. But it's good to have somebody that part of the team, right? You know what I mean? Coming at it from a different mindset almost or, or a different angle. It really opens your 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 thinking a wee bit more. Yeah, not as approaches. It's it's very, very different to a lot of writers. Like, um as I say, it just relates back to that confidence he has. He's just like it's not really a question of I wonder could I get up there? I wonder if I rode over them with my tires keep grip. It's more like that's where I'm going. I'm riding my bike over that, and and that's just the way things are, and and that's the way I'm doing it, and that's just the way his head thinks like. And yeah, yeah, if you can beg, borrow, and steal just like a tiny bit of that into your riding, it's it's got to help. Classic. Are you riding flats, like Sam? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tried them. I just go back to my annual sort of try flat pedals. Um, yeah, and last about the morning, and then end up changing again. Like I just. Uh, I've never actually had a decent pair of shoes to ride flats in, so yeah, I, I reckon if I got a pair, a decent pair of shoes, I'd probably ride flats a wee bit more. But just that's just not something I've, I've done. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to change bike or change one way or the other. It's difficult. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You de- definitely need to spend and take the time 
to use them as well. It's like one out and isn't going to get used to them. Especially yeah. like someone like me didn't really like at the very start we all rode flats, but like as progress got into clips pretty quick and haven't really been off them. So yeah, yeah. Um, you said in that off season you spent quite a bit of time in New Zealand. Um, what is that place like, man? That looks awesome. Ah, uh, yeah. So me and Elliot went to Queenstown for six weeks to a month maybe I can't really remember now um but yeah unreal had like a little hostel at the bottom of uh, the bike park and yeah the town was below us the bike park to the left of us and then load of big hills to pedal up on the right and it was just unreal just ideal training ground really just woke up early morning did a big pedal got our lunch and chilled and done laps in the evening and kind of just did that day on day on until it was time to go racing it was unreal really really was good and mm. at the time, we actually had um, one of our mechanics was based out there as well. So we had him sort of looking after the bikes as well. So it was it worked out really well. But yeah, the people are good out there. The tracks are even better. And uh, nah, just an amazing spot and something. Uh, if it's feasible, every mountain biker has to go do and tick off because it is, it's just like Ireland on steroids, really. It's, it's an amazing place. Yeah, definitely. It looks like it. Some of the parks there just look unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Um, when you were out there um, doing all that kind of thing, did you change up anything as far as your training, your nutrition, your gym time? Like, how do you split all that gym bike time? Yeah, I mean, you kind of just play to your strengths. It's, it's kind of thing like, like if I go to a training camp, I'll try to get in like loads of gym before I go because I know I'm going to be doing a lot of bike time out there. So, you know, you can maybe like sort of lay low on the bike for a while before you go out and then you'll have more time on the bike out there. Um, and kind of just play to your strengths that day. And it's kind of the same all the time at home. Like I know the weather can be quite grim in the winter, but if you really, if it's a really bad week of weather, it's kind of like, right, well, let's, let's just get some indoor stuff done and mm-hmm. maybe do some testing indoors and gym and what bike and whatnot. And then if it's, if you get like a burst of good weather, you know, you'll speak to your coach and sort of like, well, look, we've got five days of unreal weather here. Why not? Like, let's use this and let's get loads of bike time in and big spins and kind of just adapting like that all the time rather than, yeah, if like if it's a miserable day and, and, and you're out in New Zealand and it's sideways rain and you have like a big five and six hour ride to do. I mean, it doesn't make any, it doesn't do any harm to just change that up and do the gym on a bad weather day and then go out for the ride on the sunny day and that's kind of just the way it works all year round really and um, yeah you know, you're always kind of adapting and, and you know what the weather can be like here as well so to sort of skip the very worst of it sometimes can be can play good in the long run yeah yeah that's quite interesting because you would think a lot of <clears throat> professional athletes would have their kind of gym and bike and whatever just set in stone basically and they just follow it to the t no matter what but that's quite cool that you can just adapt to what's happening oh totally like i mean and it's the same like i, I do have something written down for me to do every day and i like that because i know if it's there i'll do it and there's no doubt in my mind i'll miss it but like if i had like even today like if i have a podcast to do and, and the other day where i had that vital raw video on to do like that that was from nine o'clock till five o'clock filming that and like realistically you're not going to get off and do a gym workout and then go do a ride after like that's just not it's just mm-hmm. not the way life works so you have to like sort of adapt and overcome and stuff like that so yeah it is constantly changing and as i say everyone's lifestyle is different um but majority of the time training would, would come first sort of thing and 
prepping for races always comes first. So, but yeah, constantly chopping and changing, and life can get in the way sometimes. But uh, yeah, that's just how it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now let's jump forward to 2020 last year. Um, things changed drastically, right? Now you didn't have a race in 2020, did you? No, the last time I actually raced was the Trophy Nations in 2019. So that's the last time I've been racing. Right yeah. Now. now, that was a couple of reasons. There was the COVID thing, of course, um, mm-hmm. but you also had an injury, right? Yeah, yeah, quite a severe shoulder injury. Now, was that something that had been plaguing you for quite a while? Yeah, years, really. Um, even going back to when I played rugby, um, I used to play a lot of rugby, and I remember scoring a try, like just broke through like an interception or something, and ran to the line, and like could easily just set the ball down like any normal person. But of course, I had to do like a big oh, run no. and dive, yeah, show off, and my shoulder just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had all the time in the world just to set the ball down and walk back to the halfway. But no, I did a big dive and wanted to skid along the grass, thinking it was unreal, and my shoulder just hyperextended. And it literally was never the same since that day. Just constant dislocations. Had shoulder surgery a couple of years after that. That's back, you know, 2016 now. And mm. um, yeah, still was dislocating, hyperextending. And that was also another reason, like 2018 and through 2019 as well, constantly battling that, like having a wee crash and it just hurting. And the rest of the race had to nurse it back. And oh, like you just ask anyone who's had a shoulder injury before they're they're just a nightmare and they're never done with they're never just completely fixed they're always Mm -hmm. rehabbing in a sling out of a sling icing they're just a real complicated joint so yeah 2020 um it was just time to get um an operation on which was quite a hefty operation um it was called a letargy so basically it was beyond like ligament repair they had to start cutting bone and making yeah, if you explained it like a like a, a golf ball on a golf tee that would fall off quite easily, they just made a wall around that one side out of bone, out of the, a bit of macaracoid, um, to stop the shoulder actually dislocating. So now there's actually a bone block there to stop it coming out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a funny time because I remember I, j- I just dislocated um over the first lockdown actually. So I was actually one of those idiots that everyone was staying inside being good. And I was outside mucking around in the garden and dislocated my shoulder. I was like, oh, God, I'm actually one of these guys that has to go to the hospital in the middle of this COVID crisis. <laughs> oh, no. So away I went. Um, um, no, sorry. At, at that time, I was just like, uh, I didn't go to hospital. I was like, no, nah, I'm just I'm just not going to be that guy. And it was sort of healing pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this it's actually healing pretty good. And then I don't know if you know, seen a video of me just going off a drop somewhere and and donard and it came out and that that was just like that was it i was like right this needs sorted i can't even go off a four foot drop without my shoulder dislocating so yeah i went to a surgeon in belfast and wasn't the most pleasant experience he kind of took a couple of cts x-rays and mris and stuff um he was like oh you're a mountain biker aren't you i was like yeah he's like oh yeah you're probably gonna have to knock that in the head Ah. and i was i was just like no, I, I can't be that, like, sort of need to be doing that in my life. And, uh, yeah, the, the way he sort of said to me was, like, yeah, we, we're, we'll try to get you operated on, but, like, the likes of contact sport and mountain biking isn't really a thing after this. And I just remember, like, leaving leaving the 
the clinic and going into the car with with Faye was there and I was nearly in tears. I was just like, "What's he talking about?" Like he was he was saying, "Oh, your your socket joint's actually broken half, and the the the, the socket that goes into the joint's broke as well." And oh god, uh, yeah, I was nearly I was nearly in tears to be honest with you. Like the way he Any wonder. Yeah, the way he way he had worded it was like just forget about bikes, and I was like, "What is going on?" So, yeah, I was just I was just ringing around and like asking people for advice and stuff. Um, it was pretty shit time to be honest, and uh, I got through to um, like a sports solution guy, and he uh, advised me where to go. And I was actually even chatting to Rory Cunningham as well. It turned out he had the same operation and came back from it. So they were all like, "Speak to these guys." Um, one thing led to another and eventually got to uh, a surgeon in Manchester who had done a couple of these operations before. And uh, yeah, he says, no, he's more than confident to get me up and going and back on the bike. I was just like, hallelujah, like this is class. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, a, it was like a good time to, with the COVID to be sort of, I guess, injured, but it was a real bad time to be operated on. Like trying mm-hmm. to get under the knife was quite tricky in the whole pandemic and that but um eventually we got it done um yeah big long process like still not right today but i can ride a bike and stuff and it's gonna take probably another six months to a year until it feels 100 percent. but yeah here we are that was august 10th so nearly jesus nearly coming up to a year this summer yeah since i've been cut into so i crazy you know and it's interesting that you know because i was thinking when I seen your socials and stuff and you know you were going for the the surgery I thought you know has Keelan sat down with CRC here and have they discussed right look the COVID thing's happening there's hardly going to be any racing you've had issues with this shoulder for a number of years now's the time to go and get it sorted like that's really that's how I thought it had happened you know realistically it was off your own back that you just kind of decided no i need to get this sorted now it's not going to get any better yeah well i mean i could have like i could have just not got the surgery like i mean the surgery had to go private i had to pay for it and all and it wasn't a like it wasn't a simple process like but it, it was just it was either that or i'll train all winter with constant dislocations and then just get out to a race and my shoulder dislocating and that'll be me out for god knows how long it just mm-hmm. it wasn't even worth thinking about it was like either get it sorted now or it'll never be sorted yeah so, yeah perfect time to get it done i guess like obviously it would have been rather out racing with the boys but in the long run it was like this is this is the only time where i'm gonna get six months to make this right again like mm-hmm. the only time like a winter off season isn't even that long so um yeah i just went for it bit the bullet and got it done yeah and when you decided to do something like that is that something you have to run by crc you know because it could affect your racing or for the bear hopefully but is it something you need their kind of you know them to tick a box and say yes go ahead or i mean like i I spoke to pagey about it and stuff um but like i mean at the end of the day it was it was it was my decision and to be honest it was like if they Obviously, they wouldn't have been like this, but like if they if they were like, no, we need you racing, out, like on this date, like and that's just the way it is. Like it just it wouldn't have been healthy. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. My shoulder was just not even. Yeah. It wasn't even working. Like it was there was no point. Um, it was just it was just scrap. It needed fixed, and that was just the way it is. But no, they were totally behind it. They were like, yeah, no, take your time. And I was like, yeah, I'll try. 
you know, if I get in for an operation now, I should be able to rehab it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good at getting stuff rehabbing back to the way it was. I'm so used to fucking doing it. And uh, I was I was like, oh, yeah, I should be able to get back for, like, the last couple of races. And they were like, no, don't even don't even worry about that. Just get it healthy. We'll come back. We'll regroup and we'll get going for next season again. And again, that was just one of those times where it was, like, stress-free again, where I didn't have to fight to get back for a certain date. I could just really take my time with it, do it properly, um, and get it done right. And... Yeah, I feel like I have. Yeah, no, certainly. Like, and I think for chain reaction, I think it would be in their best interests to get you to do it over that time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's a pretty complex operation, and it's something where even the doctor said to me, it was like this. It, it, it was kind of like, yeah, you get that sorted now, and this, it's all good, it's sorted now. But if if you break it again, then there's not a while lot I can do for you that sort of way. So that he was like, just take your time with this and get it done properly, and don't go back to the bike too early, and don't overdo it at the start and stuff like that. So yeah, I was really smart with it and rehabbed it really well, and had physios and stuff behind me, and no, it all worked out pretty good. And as I say, like it feels good on the bike now and it feels fine, but a shoulder injury will take over a year until you're kind of feeling like you don't have that bad shoulder anymore. If you get me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know where you're coming from, um, like. The funny thing is with shoulders, you know this more than me. I broke my clavicle, but it was it was a really complicated one. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've broken it's almost been three years, but I had to go private to get the plate out because I just felt that the plate was causing me problems. I had yeah, yeah. very little movement, had a lot of pain in it. Um, when I went private, the surgeon, the sh- the shoulder surgeon just said to me yeah that needs to come out whereas i was told a number of times by a number of professionals that that would never be able to come out and Mad. crazy man absolutely crazy i'll when you have a but when you have a free half day i'll tell you the story <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and you know he said when he seen the final um x-rays there a couple of weeks ago he says to me yeah you're good to go and do your crazy stuff again right. you know and it's really great for somebody that life kind of revolves around activities that are contact sports at the end of the day and normally contact with trees or ground or something like to hear that from somebody like that, it just gives you so much relief. And I'm sure you felt the same when your surgeon said, yeah, oh yeah, we'll get you on a bike again and all, you know, like it's because oh, it's your life, man. It's everything yeah. to you. That's what I mean. Like the first guy I had, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, if you're going to go back to your, like, sort of sit behind your office job, you'll be all good, but, like, nothing more than that. And, like, the the next guy was just, like, he had, he had jerseys from, like, real professional motocross guys and even guys on, like, the, the Sky Road team and stuff and that had all been looked after by him. And uh, he was just like, no, we'll look after you here and we'll get you back on the bike and we'll sort you out that way. Don't worry about that. And it was just, yeah, it was definitely worth, like, almost shopping around, if you know what I mean, like, just sort of yeah. looking around and seeing who who's the best guy for the job here and uh, i think we found him so yeah yeah it's amazing yeah definitely dude Uh, it's unreal you just can't take that first advice and as you know written in stone because dude you probably wouldn't be riding a bike now no exactly yeah yeah you could have just you could have just followed what your man said and then that would have been it but like it like it at the start it was just walking out of that clinic i was just like what is what is going on here like and then like after i let it like sort of subside for a minute i was just kind of like nah there's a, there's just absolutely no way 
that the rest of my life's going on without riding a bike. That's just not even an option. So, right, we'll just we'll just get stuck in here and get looking around. And before you know it, like it was all, it's all good. Cool. cool. How long were you off the bike for after your surgery? Um, I was back in the turbo trainer after about two months. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, about, about two months. Like, it really, it's a funny one. Like, I mean, you have a sore shoulder. You're like, ah, oh, sure, I'll just jump back in the turbo trainer. But, like, my whole body was sore. Like, my, my ribs were sore. My back was sore. And that was the most painful thing was just sitting around doing nothing. Like, I just can't do that. I just struggle to sit around and do nothing. So, yeah. like, it was just two months of that. I bought, like, a ice like compression sleeve from my shoulder and just sat on that for hours a day and take it off and then went back on it and yeah it was a long crappy process to be honest yeah. but it had to be done and and then like it was quite exciting to get into the rehab and started like watch it like one day i couldn't even like you know move from my hand and wrist and and then like, a couple of days later to a week later i was like moving it above my head and yeah, that, that was a funny thing about this operation as well. It was kind of like after three months, you can go above 90 degrees. And then after four months, 80 degrees and stuff like that, you know. So that was that was quite weird. Um, mm. It was very limited for a while. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the rehab, is it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. It, it does push you. Um, yeah. And you're kind of like a lot of time just between what's a good pain and what's a bad pain and the physio's telling you to push through this and you're like no way that's gonna break and he's like no you're fine just do it um and before you know it it's kind of just working like a normal arm again and like as i say it's like feels good now it's good on the bike but there's still stuff every day where i throw a ball for racks or something like oh jesus that's right my shoulder hurts um <laughs> yeah so, yeah. <laughs> so i think it, like it'd be well over a year before i can actually say yeah both shoulders are 50 50 yeah yeah like how are you going into this race season if if things happen like are you more confident because of the surgery do you think it'll it'll make you faster or more focused or you know are you happy with it the way it is yeah really happy with it now like just as i say on schedule like it's still still work to do and i still work on it every day and Mm -hmm. yeah still still stuff to be done but like as i say we're still a month away um pretty confident coming into the season now and just sort of had one of the better winters that i've ever had um just with that little bit of extra time as well and no i'm pretty happy with it like i've been out riding the bike you know and i've had you know several days where i'm just like right let's try race speed here and stuff like that and yeah that it felt fine so yeah like i know now most of the time when i'm riding it's it's out of my head as for at the start i was constantly sort of like maybe not pushing on and and doing stuff too hard because the shoulders in the back of my head but um the more i ride and the more i train now leading up the season the more it's kind of just like sort of leaving my head and it's it's just not really a thought anymore it's just becoming sort of back to back to the way the arm was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago yeah cool man cool good stuff now i want to chat to you you've been at home for a wee while now but yeah. um like do you enjoy coming home after the race season and hooking up with the mates and stuff yeah, I love it. Like, so me and Faye here, we just live in a cottage in the middle of, like, just outside Newry. Just, just feels like you're in the middle of nowhere, uh, and it's great. And it's a perfect setup. It's, it's me, her, and the dog here, and we have friends constantly dropping by, more so now than than it was during the whole COVID thing, of course. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, not. Uh, I moved up here just to be close to the trails and stuff, and I, I, I'm so glad I did. Um, yeah life's really good at home I, I love home life and it's good to get away but it's it's always good 
I've got, I always say like I've got like my team on the road and then my team at home as well, which is which is massive for me to come home to and just forget about racing and forget about bikes for a minute. And you, as anyone says, you need to sort of switch off to switch on, sort of thing, don't you? But no, home life's home life's good. Yeah, definitely. It, it comes across in your socials, I think. Anyway, you know when you meet up with Glenn O'Brien or Greg Callahan or some of those guys that you've known for a long time, mm. and you're out riding. Like these guys are just out enjoying bikes and enjoying nature and everything else that comes with that you know absolutely i mean we're all just there having the crack two wheels like it's it's all good and just enjoying life really and that's that's just really what it's all about like meet up with glenn and greg and it's just about having a good day on the bike and having fun and really like what what are you doing it for like what what is the reason why you're out here it's it's just to have a good life and enjoy yourself and that's what I feel like I'm doing every day now, and I wouldn't change it for the world, really. Yeah, cool. No, you seem to have a good bunch of mates there. Actually, when I had Clarence on the podcast, um, I think it was back in 17. He was telling the story about living with yourself at uni, and you had bikes everywhere. It was just bikes in the kitchen, bikes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, we, we got a house to get our first year house. He was actually in it. Um, yeah, it was, I just had bikes everywhere. Like, I just nothing's ever changed but i actually remember his room was that big that we did bmxing in his room <laughs> like it was so big you couldn't heat it but you could try grind the bottom of his bed on a bmx great. But, uh, no that, that was funny that was funny eh? oh class class i it was funny i i laughed uh, i was in tears listening to clarence <laughs> tell some stories man it was brilliant brilliant um here since you've been home have you been on the new gorchin trails yeah i have yeah um yeah what uh, do you think of those because you grew up there right you yeah, rode that place when it was nothing all, but that's where it all started and actually funny you now we're literally where i really started like there's a place over the hill it's in gorchin as well we, we just call it glengowna and all the boys are actually back sort of like refurbishing the trails that are like 10 or 15 years old that we all started on um so they're all kind of coming back to life it's quite funny like a lot of the guys that I started biking with and the scene sort of died a bit in Uma where I'm from and they all sort of went to the road and just like the scene all the trails sort of died off a bit as well mm. and now they're all kind of back digging these trails that we used to ride when we were youngsters so it's actually quite funny to see and um, they're all back out doing it again but no um Gorchin's mint man I love it like I can go there I can ride fast and have the crack and test myself and my mum and Faye can go do the same on the same trails, you know, it's 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 quite nice that way. Uh, and, the, like, if you go down there on a Saturday, Sunday now, and to see the transformation of what it once was, like, it's, Gorchin used to be this, like, hub for Oma and, and further. And now we're, like, the likes of Gorchin MTB Club and, like, Stevie Collins and a few of the lads that have just really put, they've, they've really put a lot of effort and, like, more effort than you'd ever think into this. And before you know it, like the car park used to have moss in the middle of it because there was no cars in it and now there's a play park and you'd be struggling to get a spot in it on a saturday and sunday like it's just unbelievable and like all these people that like even you know uncles and nephews and they're all just like starting to buy bikes and they're just like what are the new trails like where would i get a bike and old friends that like never really got an opportunity to go into it because they had to travel somewhere now it's on their doorstep and the people coming through now like the youngsters in the club as well and just oh it's unbelievable man it, it really is something else like he just i think he just needs something like what Gorton has everywhere for people to just give yeah. an opportunity to go out and actually try mountain biking for what it is and it's not 
always this big mad scary stunts that people see on Instagram and do, like you can go out and just have a pleasant time with your mates and ride down trails and uh, the the place is just and while Nick as Gary Donaldson says <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've seen any of that oh I definitely yeah <laughs> classic um, yeah no it looks amazing man it does look cool like you know from your perspective like how healthy because you've come up through this scene for a long time now like how healthy do you think the MTB scene is in Northern Ireland and Ireland in, in general yeah it's it's come a long way for sure I mean like it's it's growing rapidly and like the more trail centres you have, the way Ireland's doing it now and Northern Ireland's doing it as well, it's just, it just plants seed. Like, it only takes, like, you know, a couple of kids to just really, well, I really, really love this sport. Like, I really get into it. And before you know it, they're good and they could grow up and make a lifestyle out of it and make a, make a profession out of it, whether it be, like, coaching and bringing on other kids and other people or something like myself. Like, I just, I just fell in love with it from the get-go and, after time riding and even in Gorson, I was like, I'd, I'd just love to make this something I do forever. And mm-hmm. then that was something I worked towards. And before you know what you're doing it and just to plant the seed like that in some kid's head is just, it's, yeah, it's invaluable. Like, yeah, amazing. Definitely. And the trails are there to do it and help. So it's, it's awesome, you know, build it and they will come kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like as, as a local there and I, I lived there all my life to see that forest just the forest was dead, like, it was just done. There, no one go to it, like, no one went to it. It was just the odd walker. And now, just to see it in full swing and completely full of life, it's just, it's unreal. It's It actually is unreal what the last couple of years, how that place has turned around. And yeah. more to come as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting, exciting times. Now, before I let you go, just a quick chat about what you've planned for this year. Have you any goals set for the 21-22 race season? I, I'd, I'd love a, an injury-free season for me. Um, I'm heading off to the Lake District next week with Greg and I'm meeting a few of the boys over there, Elliot and stuff, and we're going to do a race in the Lake District and then we're just going to head off to Europe for a couple of weeks pre-sort of EWS. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, we've got two two pretty big blocks this year, sort of like a two six-week blocks and um yeah, quite a lot of racing, so it's good to stay healthy and sort of injury-free for them and not miss any rounds. And Yeah, no, no, I I feel like I've had a real good winter and bike feels good and setup feels good and it's all good. So, um, yeah, I'd like to get up into those single digits, to be honest. I feel like I'm capable of it now, so yeah, hopefully we can do something like that. Excellent, excellent. What bike are you going to be riding? Are you going to be on the Mega or the Gig? Or are you going to swap between or what's your plans? And originally... Um, like just looking at the circuit, like in the calendar, like I would have thought maybe yeah I'll run the Giga for the first six weeks or the first what was it four rounds and then when I come back for the next block I'll maybe switch to the Mega it's a wee bit tidier tighter and like a bit more mm-hmm. pedal orientated but to be honest I'm just getting on really well with the Giga right now and I, I feel like I can do it all and more and I'm just happy enough to sort of stay on that bike for now. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm sort of aiming for at the minute. I'm not not really too fussed and swapping back and forth uh i'm just really comfortable on that bike and i feel like it, it does it all with no advantage or disadvantage with either bike it's just one of the bikes i stepped onto and didn't have to do anything crazy to it just just suits me the way i ride mm-hmm. what size do you ride large do you large yeah aye aye okay cool um will you be 
home for any races? Are you going to be doing any of the first track stuff or anything if you get uh, the chance? I, I just made out my calendar during the week and I'm not, which is quite right. sad because um, I do love getting to Glenn's races. He does a fantastic job and they're the best races you'll do. Just love getting back and just chatting to everyone about what they've been up to and getting to ride with a bunch of people that I don't get to ride with throughout the year. And Yeah, I don't think I'll be at one of them. It literally clashes. Just the way the season is, it's quite short and intense. Normally, come home and get a block of racing done, uh, you know, halfway through the year or something. But it just mm-hmm. just the way everything's fallen, it just it didn't seem to line up. But uh, maybe get like a gr- Irish Gravity Enduro in or something like that. <clears throat> be the plan. Just actual Glenn's first tracks rounds doesn't actually just line up with any of our EWS rounds. So yeah, um, unfortunately, won't be at any of them. No, it's so difficult because there's so many now that it's hard to kind of get to everything you want to get to you know it's just impossible almost that's it and it's just so like it's a bit unknown at the minute as well isn't it like it's yeah like um i mean when i do come back in august and there is a race like who knows what sort of state the whole world's going to be in and whether racing's back to full swing or if it's just back to square one again but um yeah. no totally man I, I i absolutely love irish racing like best racing there is because you have all your friends there and and just the vibes good but yeah just just this year and the funny and the way things are just won't be able to get to anything yeah cool cool now i know a lot of the young guys look up to keelan and stuff like that um like what would you advise to young people wanting to get into the race scene or starting off in their mountain bike journey hmm. uh to the youngsters um i i would say something like don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to try everything like don't get sucked into like I want to be a downhill world champion and downhill is the only thing I do I think that's one of the mistakes I made when I started off I was like right downhill it is like I'm only going to do downhill and that's what I want to be good at so I'm not going to go and do a road race I'm not going to go do a cross country race or pedal on the road bike because that's not what I do I'm, I'm doing downhill but now I'm more than happy to go and do a cross country race and get smoked and go to a road race and suffer for a couple hours and just a variety of stuff i'd I'd Mm -hmm. say to kids like don't get sucked into that one thing that it's only one thing you do like try everything try bmx try cross country try a bit of downhill do an enduro race just do them all and by the end of it like you might even find that your your target has changed and your vision has changed and you might want to do something else um so yeah I i would say like don't be afraid to fail and and try a bit of everything and when i say like don't be afraid to fail it's like kind of if you see someone do a line or someone do a jump and or someone do something and you're like oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that because there's three or four lads standing around and if i don't do it then i'm going to look silly and it's just like that's not the way it works it's just get stuck in get after it and don't be afraid to, to mess it up and go try it again and then i can guarantee you after a couple of times you'll be doing it and you'll be doing it better than you ever could have and before you know it, you're progressing and getting better so yeah that's probably one of the bits of advice I would I would give. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely good. And it's great just to be involved in the scene, right? To get into the scene and, you know, to maybe get a BMX out around a pump track every now and then and stuff like that. Like Because everybody knows everybody kind of in a way and they all intermingle and stuff anyway. So it's good to be involved in all that. Ah, totally, yeah. I mean, and all the skill sets sort of cross over as well. I mean... Like, if you look at any sort of top athlete, they've done some sort of something else before it, whether it be, like, like Aaron Gwynn, he was he was a good 
motocrosser Sam. Sam's unbelievable on a motocross bike, and like Pagey there, professional downhiller, but had a massive BMX career before and and after, and you know stuff like that. Like it's it's just all interlinks and crosses over. And as I say, the people you meet and the relationships you build through doing all those different disciplines, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's worth more than anything. Cool, cool, yeah. So. Kellen, for people to find out what you're doing, where you're at, how things are going for you, where can they best keep up to date with you and follow you? Uh, just the usual sort of Keelan Grant on Instagram, and I think the Facebook's Keelan Grant Racing, but it's kind of just the same thing. But yeah, do uh, when I get a minute, do the odd YouTube video as well for the crack, just like the rest of the mountain bike world at the minute. But uh, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, Instagram seems to be seems to be the best way to find out what I'm up to in day to day life. All right, cool, man, cool. Well, listen, bro, good luck with 2021. I hope everything goes well with the shoulder and I hope your season is cool, man. I'll definitely be keeping in touch and seeing what's happening. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. I hope everything goes ahead. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing this gig out in the trails and see how you get on that machine. Aye, me too. Aye, yeah, no, it, um, it was good to catch up again. I mean, maybe we, maybe in a couple of years we can we can catch up again. Who knows? And, uh yeah, thanks a million for having me on. It's good to uh, it's good to it's good to chat down and let everyone know what I'm up to and what everyone else is up to and stuff. So yeah, I always appreciate you having me on. No bother, mate. It's a pleasure having you on the show anytime at all, anytime. Cheers, buddy. That's a wrap for episode 193. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And Keelan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. It was a pleasure to get caught up with you, see what's going on and how the shoulder surgery went and how you have been doing so much to get back out on the bike and get going for this year's EWS season. So good luck, buddy. I hope everything goes well for you. I know you'll do wonderful things this year, so good luck. I'll certainly be following what you're up to and I hope to run into you at some of the events at some stage very soon down the line so good luck now folks if you want to know more about what Keelan and myself chatted about just simply go to the show notes you'll find them at mtb-tribe.com you will find out a little bit more about what we chatted about you'll get quick links to Keelan's videos his socials everything like that just easy links for you there to access for your ease of use now if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support the best way is by subscribing rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, you'll find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, all the good podcast platforms. If you want a little bit more info about the show, we have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete buy catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast if you want to get in contact with the show of course we're on social media at mtb tribe on instagram and facebook and if you're like me and prefer a good old-fashioned email you'll find me at info at mtb-tribe.com that's it for this week folks thanks for being here thanks for tuning in and uh, it was great to get keelan on the podcast and hopefully we'll do something similar down the line a little bit see how he's getting on but that's it for this week so until next time as always got to get those bikes out you've got to hit the trails and you've got to stay mtv stoked have a good one